This is Haas. And this is Samson. With Franks and Deans. In Las Vegas, Nevada. And unless we feel like screaming at the radio, we never listen to I Doubt It with Dollimore. That's such an asshole. Yeah, but she's kind of hot, though. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 676 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore. Joined today by the lovely, talented, scholarly, Brittany Page. So, there's a lot of conflict on the show related to who the best part is. And sometimes... (laughs) No, there's not. And sometimes people take it a little too seriously. Okay? (laughs) But we won't go there. Well, that is true. Oftentimes... It is like a people are falling on either side rather than not getting the joke. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because people are not actually choosing me, right? It, it was a flippant. It started out as a flippant joke, and now it's just become a thing that people say when they're done. And, and Love the show. Brittany's the best part. That was Bye. Carissa, right? And, yeah. And she kicked that whole thing off. So... Hundreds and hundreds of episodes ago. Yes, but now that Popeye has been introduced as the producer of the show, he is often selected as know. the best part of the show. I am I think I'd like to rescind the producer credit because he is a lazy... He's a lazy turd who really doesn't do much. He contributes a lot of tasty, tasty farts to the he show. He's more of a distraction than he is a producer. That's a fact. But I what, prefer mascot. Here's what he is. He is an attention grabber. That's what he is. Because uh, we were out. Are you talking about the old lady? Okay. Yeah, we were out in the yard. <laughs> and Pop was doing his thing, right? Taking a piss or... You know, doing the stuff the dogs do in the yard. Sniffing all the the remnants of other dogs' piss that he can find. And all of a sudden, I see this lady who is in her car, and she's driving by, and she's smiling with her eyes. I can't see her mouth, but she's, like, staring and smiling with her eyes because she has a mask on. Yeah. And she's slowing down, and I'm I'm looking at you like, are you noticing what's happening here? Yeah. Like, what is this? She's stopping her she car. She stops and pulls into the driveway. Yeah, and then she doesn't even care about us. She starts talking to Popeye. She's like, oh, sweetie, hello. I know I can't get too close. I'm going to stay back, but I just want to look at him. Oh. <laughs> and it was very, very sweet. It was very adorable. She asked for his... Uh, social media accounts. No, she asked if he's on Instagram, and then I, I don't know why I was embarrassed, but I am because we've talked about the parade of people walking down the street all the time. Yeah, yeah. There were others around us, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes, he has an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just, I just told her in passing what it was. Right. And then she contacted Popeye. Yeah, so she sent us a message to the at bully with a Y Popeye account on Instagram, and she sent a picture of her own bulldog. Very cute. 
But she also wrote Popeye a message. And I'm going to read the message as, yeah. as it's written. I thought it was a message from her bulldog to our bulldog. It is. Okay. So I'm going to read the message <laughs> as it's written. That's what I'm saying. Hi, Popeye. My mother stopped to see you yesterday. Yesterday? In our black car. Car? We, yes. <laughs> you were playing in you guas. I'm chugger or chuggy. We loves you, Popeye. <laughs> what is happening so <laughs> written written from the dog very very precious looking bulldog so here. her dog is either a toddler or has a speech impediment <laughs> i mean those are the only two options i can see here i'm not sure what's happening there but uh definitely a uh a dog with a lot of mass and because when i think of popeye's voice if he was to have a voice and how we talk yeah it wouldn't be oh hi everybody it would be i'm fucking tired man yeah (laughs) Yeah, well yes yes but i i thought it was very sweet because you know sometimes in passing you're like oh yeah that's the name of the dog and yeah people don't fucking give a shit yeah and then she really cared enough to actually look him up so that was a very it was a nice interaction and she was responsible she didn't come near us she didn't come near him she like announced not gonna do that no i i know i can't that's not the case all the time. Two cops last week yeah. came into the yard and like, oh, hey, what's his name? Sergeant? <laughs> it's like, no, he's, we, his name's not fucking Sergeant. Yeah, we named him Sarge. Yeah, no, we actually named him Usurper of Civil Rights. That's that's what we named him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Um, also, no masks on the oh, two cops. Wow, that's that's odd. Yeah. Especially since now in Orange County that you have to be wearing them. You did then, too. They, they're... they're Essential personnel working for the city. Yeah. What is what is with the new alert then? Well, why do they keep acting like this is a new thing that everyone has to wear a mask? Because you've been telling me that for a while. Well, now it's official that everybody in public has to. Yeah. When I said it last time, I'm not sure if that was the deal. But the day after we posted the episode, the county came out and said it. Hmm. We're getting a little heavy now with policy. But um, yeah, I don't know why the fuck they're coming in the yard petting the goddamn dog. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> traipsing around with their COVID shoes all over the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Not great. Well, speaking of COVID shoes, we got a COVID card to the P.O. box. <laughs> wow. And I don't know if it's a COVID card. Well, it's it a been, COVID card. It's been, if it's been out in public, handled by, by everybody. Yeah, there's there's a level of COVID risk with this card. That is, there is a COVID risk yes. with the card. And so... And there's definitely a COVID risk if we utilize what came in the mail. Yes. So I'm going to read the card first. All right. Because part of the card is going to give away what is in the card. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you, Jesse and Brittany. We love the show. Applebee's is the best part. Mm. Would you like to guess what's in the card? I must disagree. Well, I already know what's in the card. Are you asking (laughs) the audience what they'd like to guess? Yeah, I'm giving them some time to guess. All right. And then you can announce what's in the card. All right. They don't need that, that. They don't need that, is that much enough time. time. All right. Here comes the announcement. Twenty-five dollar Applebee's gift card. That is Applebee's Grill and Bar oh, gift card, sir. Grill and Bar. Grill and Bar. Not Bar and Grill. 
No, it's a grill and bar, apparently. So this is from Michael and Megan. Thank you very much, Michael and Megan. We appreciate that. Long time listeners. Yeah. Long time supporters supporters of the show yeah and uh we were laughing our asses off when we opened this yeah and let let me let let me i want to pose another question to the audience yeah we don't need a drum roll for this Mm -hmm. what are the chances we're gonna redeem this actual 20 it's not even like they were just in the in the in the grocery <laughs> checkout line, and you see like the impulse buys of the gift cards. Yeah, you and called then, to make sure there was actually. Yeah, funds I on called. Here. There's yeah. really twenty five dollars on it. There's no <laughs> fucking chance we're going to use it. But I think we should do like a like some kind of a contest. Yeah, like a raffle kind of a deal for those of you who may or may not. Or we could do like a a charity match thing. We'll have to work out the details. Then I'll figure it out for next episode. But like we'll do like a hundred dollar match on whatever the do- the the bid is for this, and we'll donate the two hundred dollar or whatever it ends up being to charity, mm-hmm. and then we'll mail the, the whoever gets it the gift card. Yeah, I think sounds that's like, a good idea. Sounds like a lot of those details need to be worked out, but we will <laughs> we will definitely you you will definitely figure that out. Well, I also say it out loud. Yeah, on the show, right? And so other. People's ears will hear the oh, words. Oh, they will do the work for you. And maybe you. they'll come up with some kind yes. of a thing. Yes. Solve your problems for you. Wow. Yes. Holy shit. That's what we're all prick hoping shit, for. Bro. That's prick shit. Before we get into the listener communication, uh, we have a little update for everybody. I love updates. And What's this update about? Well. Because I really don't know. <laughs> well, on the previous show, we talked about how you were still blocked by Donald Trump. Oh, and yeah. And how the Knight First Amendment Institute. Yeah. Not the Knight Foundation, which I think is what you said last yeah, time. Yeah, I may have said that. And they are two different things. The Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University mm-hmm. reached out to you and wanted your permission to send a letter on your behalf to the Department of Justice because Donald Trump cannot block American citizens from his Twitter feed. Yes. Sunday evening? Saturday or Sunday is when I realized it. Yeah, you checked your Twitter, and you could suddenly see the tweets. They were in your feed. He unblocked you. It's an odd thing, because I'm not... I'm so glad you brought it up. I would have totally fucking spaced it. Um, It... It's an odd thing because now I realize how little Trump there was in my feed. Oh, right. Because it just like even when I search for real Donald Trump, it doesn't auto populate because he's we were right, just gone. Yeah, I wasn't mm-hmm. able to see it. Um, but it is people retweet his shit yep. all the time. Right. And it just started showing up. I'm like, am I in the right account? Because, you know, I created the at Jesse Dollimore account or sometimes right. I'll be in the I doubt it account. And then we can see the stuff there. And uh, it just started showing up. No, it wasn't in the r- wrong account. It just went. It was just him. Yeah. So. so at some point on Sunday, Donald Trump, president of the United States, went to your Twitter profile and unblocked you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty great. wonder if he took some time to listen to the show. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a big fan. You Maybe know? he went to check out Bully with a Y Popeye on Instagram. I wonder how deep the dive was. Into the research. Yeah. In no, the I Jesse don't take D. responsibility at all. What do you think? I, I don't know. I actually think, wh- while I'm convinced that he physically blocked me, I don't think that he was personally responsible for unblocking. 
Because mm. it could have been Dan Scavino, his mm-hmm. social media guy. You think someone is in his account helping him or managing? No, well, I know it Dan. In some way? I know Dan Scavino has act, um, access to his account. Hmm. The, the his used to be his his caddy, who's now a hundred and eighty thousand dollar a year job in the White House. Well, that's nice. I know he has access. So I've I've, I've looked around. I've done some reading or whatever on it. I'm pretty convinced it was Donald Trump who personally blocked me, but I don't think he unblocked. I think it was either maybe some department within the Department of Justice that makes the determination for him on the unblocking, because there are certain criteria that have to be met, and I met all of those. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But I tell you what, it feels fucking good. Mm -hmm. It feels amazing, like I am imbued with supernatural power. Right. Not really, but it is pretty good. <laughs> well, we also we got an official verdict on which is cooler: you having been blocked by Donald Trump or me being followed by President Barack Obama. And we would like to thank Sam, Sam, for tweeting us and letting us know that was really the only feedback that we got on that issue. And <laughs> I agree. We're gonna give Sam the. The winning vote there. And he voted for me. He voted for you. Yeah, he voted for me. I agree with that. Because that's a positive thing. Yeah. Well, since everything's a competition and we need to know who's the best and we need to know who's coolest. We don't need to know. (laughs) Some people think we do. If it didn't didn't take effort, I would start just editing every voicemail and taking all those out of there. (laughs) (laughs) It's all a fun joke, everybody. All a fun joke. So let's get to some listener communication, I believe so. Before we start, I want to drop the phone number and the email address, 657-464-7609. Email voice memos from your smartphone and regular emails to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So we are going to read a follow-up email from Josh. Josh had previously written to us a few episodes ago and talked about how he was very convinced by Joe Biden's emphatic denial mm-hmm. of the Tara Reid sexual assault allegations. So here is a follow-up email from Josh. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment to follow up on the Joe Biden allegation. At the time of the morning Joe interview, I wrote in in defense of Joe Biden, citing the passionate denial he gave and what I perceived to be his genuine frustration and confusion around the allegation. Brittany, part of your response was comparing Joe Biden's denial to Donald Trump's denials and wondering if I felt the same way about Trump's denials. Jesse, you asked if I would think Biden would come right out and admit if he actually did it. Jesse, you also disregarded Biden's denial completely, saying a denial means nothing to you because he would obviously deny it. I think my original points may have been disregarded or overlooked. I don't really think there is any reason to compare one person's denial to any other particular person's. But for the sake of argument, I still view Joe Biden's character, on the whole, as nothing at all close to Donald Trump's. Trump, Kavanaugh, and Weinstein all displayed a certain arrogance and evasiveness that I didn't see in Biden, which is partly why I believed him. Jesse, I'm also curious if you actually mean that a denial means nothing at all to you, because really, what else does an accused person have if they are factually innocent? They can't prove a negative if it didn't happen unless they have a solid alibi for the time of the allegation. Please call me out if I'm misrepresenting you, but my recollection of your point was that it was pretty blunt. Thanks, as always, for all you do. Josh. I will start because the finger got pointed at me. 
Um, <laughs> the f- Popeye, quit pointing fingers. Even though I'm trying to slowly catch my breath after the reading. Well, no, uh, let me jump in. I have in, to do then. a lot of voice control. No, no, no I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, all right. Okay, so, uh, <sighs> yes. So, uh, the reason that I had that response, Josh, when I said, are you also convinced by Donald Trump's denials or Weinstein's denials or anyone else who passionately and very firmly denies an allegation against them was because your stated claim was that you were convinced because of the passionate denial and how emphatic it was. So now you're kind of moving the goalposts a little bit, Josh, where you're saying, well, character plays a role in this too. It's not just the emphatic denial that was convincing to you. It was that, well, Joe Biden has a better character than Donald Trump as well. For me, that's an issue. Well, no, I just kind of want to finish that oh. point because because if if we're going to move the goalposts, then sure, that's fine. But the original point, that's why I brought that up. If you're going to be convinced by one person's passionate denial and firm denial, then it would seem to me that you would be convinced by people's denials across the board as long as they're firm and passionate. Right. As right? long as it's not a tepid denial. Right. You're on board. Right. So now, right, that we're also taking into consideration different... Uh, moral perceptions, right, of people's character, then that makes more sense to me, Josh, right? That it's convincing to you with his character. Yeah, but let me say, look, look, just because Joe Biden has better character than Donald Trump, Popeye has taken dumps in the front yard that have better character than Donald Trump. That's not a, you're not really creating a picture of this beacon of moral turpitude. Who cares if he's more moral, has more character than Donald fucking Trump? It's not a high watermark. And just because he did not... Look, Joe Biden had to drop out of a presidential race because of plagiarism. Tell me more about his character. Get the fuck out of here with that. His character, coupled with the fact that he denied something that anyone is going to deny, isn't an argument in favor of him not doing it. What is an argument is piecing together the disparate pieces of of evidence, circumstantial as they may be, because this happened 30 years ago, and making a determination based on those different metrics. Not, oh, well, he denied it. Good enough for me. Because you know who else denied it? Bill fucking Clinton. And he is a lying fucking rapist. Well, I just, which, 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 um, rapist can you point to in recent years came out and admitted it? I mean, that, you know, and, and I understand Josh's point to you, right? Saying that are denials meaningless? Well, no, I mean, there are some people that admit when they've done things that are wrong. So sure. Yeah. Denial can mean something, but, but Josh, let's remember you watched the morning Joe interview and you came away from it. Being, I don't want to use the word completely, but I mean, pretty much completely Fair, convinced, fairly convinced, right, that that Joe Biden was innocent because of his emphatic and passionate denial and his genuine, in your view, bewilderment by what was happening. Also about the like this honorable thing. If Joe Biden was really being super transparent and honorable, he would open up the records. I'm going to say all this. I want everybody to remember that at this point in time, I'm leaning toward believing Joe Biden. But and, we're not also, talking about that right now. And also you're voting for Joe Biden. And I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. 
even if Joe Biden is found, is found like this, he for sure did this. I'm going to vote for that guy because Donald Trump is a worse choice, an amazingly worse choice for the country and people in marginalized positions who need fucking support right now. But it's we can, we, but we can have, we can have nuanced conversations sure, sure. like this. But my, my thing with that is if, if he was so honorable and so, so transparent about everything, he would open up the records that were going to be unsealed at the university of Delaware. And then for whatever reason, got sealed back up again, he would open those records, but he didn't. In fact, he didn't give a good reason why they shouldn't be opened. That, to me, is hiding something. Maybe not hiding something about what's uh, related to this particular case. Maybe it's about different positions he's held, different organizations he's worked with. Who knows what it is? But it's not fully transparent. And in a president, you want transparency. In a leader, you want transparency. And I don't get that vibe from Grandpa Joe. Josh, thank you for the call. Thank you for the email. Do you have something else? No, I thank you for the email for sure. And I, I think these are important issues. And like I said, we can have a nuanced conversation here where we're able to talk about Joe Biden's weaknesses and also talk about how important it is yeah. for the country, unfortunately, that he is voted for as president (laughs) also also know this josh don't don't confuse my impassioned screaming and yelling as though i'm angry that the 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 issue is raised (laughs) because i'm not i believe in a healthy robust debate a passionate exchange and that's just that's how i operate so i'm not i'm not disrespectful of your point of view uh i do think that you are inadvertently moving the goalpost a little bit like like britney said but uh, you know we're all guilty of uh, when we're caught in a, in a in a bad argument, trying to wriggle around a little bit and get make some room for ourselves. Well, the next few uh, pieces of listener feedback that we're going to talk about and play here are about Joe Biden's apology for the comments of "You ain't black" That's on right. with Charlemagne the God, and we actually wanted to play Joe Biden's apology before we get into some of this listener feedback, so that everyone knows what his apology sounded like. That's right. But first, I'm going to play the 15 seconds of audio to remind everybody about the you ain't black comment. And if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. All right. And here's the apology. I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. I shouldn't have been so cavalier in responding to what I thought was. Anyway, it, it was, I don't take it for granted at all. And no one, no one should have to vote for any party based on their race, their religion, their background. There are African-Americans who think that Trump is worth voting for. I don't think so. I'm prepared to put my record against his. That was the bottom line, and it was uh, it was really unfortunate. I shouldn't have been so cavalier. So those, th- th- those are the two pieces of audio that we're dealing with right now. Those are the two moments in time that we're talking about right now related to what Joe Biden did and then how he... You know, he passionately said, if you got a problem voting for me, you ain't black. A little less passionate in the apology. We got some callers. I did ask for some of our the members of our of our podcast community who are were black Americans to sound off, let us know what they thought, and we got a couple. Hey guys, this is Henry from Austin. And um calling in about old Joe again. Um 
on his I ain't black uh, if I haven't already made the decision on whether to vote for him or not, Trump or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a, obviously, I mean, at face value, it's a trash statement uh, made by, you know, somebody that basically takes, you know, people for granted. And, uh, you know, I guess all in all, my opinion on this is uh, that we should be very afraid. Uh, if the Democratic Party is thinking that, you know, this is going to inspire people to come out when, you know, the, the top person on the ticket is making statements like this, um, that should give everybody pause. And this goes back to that whole idea of, you know, we're in a primary. All the stuff that has happened up until this point with um, Buddy Joe has, if it were anybody else, he would already been disqualified. He would already been, uh, you know, threatened out of running by contested convention. This, I mean, this wouldn't be a thing that we were going through. But because of what, why are we here? Uh, and I think that's that's where we need to start, you know, really, really looking in, inside of ourselves and understanding that somebody else external to the people that make up the Democratic Party are making the decisions about what is happening next. Uh, he's getting a lot of votes, and other people have gotten a lot of votes as well. Uh, we need we need to understand that this this elect if the economy starts getting better, this little gap right here is going to drive people to not come and support him. Uh, it, and it doesn't mean that they hand me the vote for Trump. It just means that they just need to be disinspired to vote for the Democratic nominee. And again, when you give an argument of you have to vote for this person because the alternative is bad. It doesn't inspire people who are otherwise disinterested in political processes uh, to come out and do the right thing. They can just sit home like they normally do. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, look forward to your, your thoughts on this. But as a black man, it was insulting. And as a, as a human, it was insulting. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to vote for him, but. And he got cut off. The three minute limit has taken down so many individuals. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to say this. The reason I asked, I reached out to, to the audience to, to give me their re reactions about this is because I, I not, I'm not in a, Bernie or, or myself are not in a position to to make a judgment call about this particular thing. We're not a member of the aggrieved or supposedly aggrieved, I believe aggrieved, but supposedly aggrieved, allegedly aggrieved population. So if I was to to to, to draw an analogy here, though this is what I would I I would think it would be. It's if Joe Biden was to say, "Hey, listen, if you have a if you have problem discerning between who to vote for me or Donald Trump, then you ain't a Christian or you ain't Chinese or you ain't whatever other group. People would have a fucking problem with that because who is Joe Biden? Is he the arbiter of 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 membership of a certain group? 
of a certain race, of a certain class, of a certain creed. No! He's Joe fucking Biden, the guy who's real fond of saying, well, just don't vote for me if you don't like blah, blah, blah. So I feel for Henry. And I this... For, for those for those people who are already struggling with whether or not to vote for Joe Biden, this just tosses one more one more piece of firewood onto the pile of well fuck maybe not. It's not skillful. It is it's not adroit um, political acumen. It's Joe Biden. It's classic fucking Joe Biden. Now, uh, Henry did call back, and he, in, in another uh, longer than we're going to play voicemail, and, and he said some really good things, though, about uh, the, the, the establishment that the Democratic Party, that they're, they're not our friends, they're not our allies, but we need to stay engaged. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. Correct me if I'm wrong, Henry. <laughs> but we need to stay engaged to continue progress toward um, or in service of the progressive agenda. And that if we disengage, then you're leaving it to the people who aren't your allies to set the tone, to set the pace of how quickly things get done. Uh, And then there was one more call because he got cut off two different times. Henry again. I give up. I love you guys. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. We love, well, listen, we love you, Henry. We love you, brother. Uh, he has been around as a, a listener for a long time. Long time supporter. We very much appreciate his participation in the conversation always because it's always thoughtful. It, it, it always lends more gravity to the conversation. Hi, it's uh, Greg Newsom. Um, on the last episode, you asked for someone who was black uh, to call in about the Joe Biden comment on the Charlemagne the God. Uh, radio show. Well, first of all, uh, and first, let me, uh, also say I've been listening to you guys for over a year now and, uh, really enjoy your, your podcast. Uh, I think it's making a difference. Uh, you may have some pushback on it, but I, I do think it's making a difference. It makes a difference for me. I know that. Anyway, um, I was initially disappointed when, uh, a lot of the black leaders across this country supported, uh, Joe Biden. I was a Bernie man, but since it's uh, done, I have uh, put put my support uh, completely behind uh, Vice President Biden. Uh, He does make some uh, verbal gaffes. His old man (laughs) rhetoric will sometimes come out, challenging people, questioning uh, if they want to vote for him, then... uh, they should. If they don't, they, they shouldn't. So he has a problem with that. Uh, I accept that as just being part of Biden. I don't accept him to make comments like this. I think it's uncalled for. If a uh, conversation gets difficult, people want to lash out now instead of remaining calm and trying to answer a very valid, legitimate question. Um, I thought Charlemagne remained calm and collective. That was nice. Biden did promise to go back onto his program. He apologized afterwards. So all you can ask of a man is to admit he's made a mistake. At least he did that. And hopefully we'll move on from this. I think some concessions will have to be made for his uh, vice president nominee. Um, 
Charlemagne was right that uh, a lot of the voting block is black women, unfortunately. Uh, my brothers will sometimes lack on the voting aspect. So black women do support uh, the D Democratic Party uh, considerably, and I would hope that he would, uh, not out of just namesake or uh, making concessions to the black community, but if he would find the right person, and if it happens to be a black woman, then go with that. And enjoy your uh, your program, your podcast. Thank you for letting me speak. All three of you are the best part, and I mean Popeye, too. Have a good day. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, thank you, Greg. Yeah, it's a great call. Um, we really appreciate that. How magnanimous of you to give us all credit at the end there. Very, very kind. I appreciate it. Evenly spread across yes. all three points of light. Yes. So I, I really liked what he said there about the apology, right? And <laughs> I don't know if this is like a bar being too low in our expectations or what, but... I'm curious what you're going to say because I wrote down apologized parenthetically, not enough. <laughs> well... <laughs> I think it is important, though, right? It's, yeah, it's an it important is. step because we can't expect people to be perfect. I mean, the the bar is not perfection, right? We're going to have right. stumbles. We're going to mess up. Mistakes are going to be made. You're going to say things that are stupid. You're going to say things that are wrong. And what should set the Democratic Party apart is admitting when you're wrong and following the evidence where the evidence leads and being willing to change your mind and change when, when you're wrong. Right. I, I agree with that. So being able to come forward and say, Hey, I said the wrong thing. Shouldn't have done that. I apologize. I'm going to do better. Yeah. Can, can I, can, let me interject with a little bit of a, a analogy, a little analogy. Let's say you take your car to pet boys or to, uh, we don't want to give them a fucking plug. Uh, to, to Jiffy Lube, a little oil change place to get your oil changed. And every third or fourth oil change, the guy, the little guy who's changing your oil, leaves the oil cap off of the car and you drive away and then it's a fucking whole problem. And he apologizes. But every fourth, fifth, however long, it happens over and over and over and over and over and over. At some point, you go to a different place to get your oil changed. Joe Biden's that guy who leaves the cap off all the fucking time and then thinks he's going to clear it up with an apology. At what point do we say, you know what? You had your run, bro. We're going to move on and try to find somebody else who's not always leaving the oil cap off. Mm -hmm. So, Well, right now we don't have that choice. Yeah, yeah I know. Right I now know. we don't have that choice. I know, and but I think we can talk about this uh, with all the cards on the table and say, we're going to vote for the guy who leaves the oil cap off because at least he's not putting sugar in the gas tank. Yeah, no, I, I for sure think that that's true. Uh, absolutely. And I think it is important to have that conversation. I'm, I'm glad that we are inviting these perspectives because it is important to hold our own accountable just because there is terror in the White House right now. Yeah. And it's just a constant stream of, what is even happening right now a cacophony of dumb fuckery it doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean that the democratic party is immune from criticism i mean far, far from it so yeah for sure um i want to get to the next email here thank you greg for that voicemail thank you greg it's always awesome hearing from new new listeners that we haven't heard from before yes so this email is from Paris in Anchorage, Alaska, mm. and he says that he would like to provide his perspective on Joe Biden's Breakfast Club statement. 
First off, I am an African-American man who has always played on both sides of the cultural fence while engaging in activities commonly associated with white people, such as snowboarding, hiking, and golfing, while turning around and enjoying activities associated with black folks, such as playing spades, bones, playing basketball, and dancing. Most times I engage in the white activities, I am one of the very few, if not the only person of color out there, and am frequently reminded of this fact by the numerous unwelcoming stares I receive, even to this day. My blackness has been openly challenged by both white and black folks my entire life. In my youth, I struggled with the accusations of not being a real black guy, quote unquote, until I was about 13, when my mother told me to pose this question to anyone who challenged my blackness. How is a black person supposed to act? Very few, if anyone, will openly answer this question with the stereotypical response of an African American without, one, sounding racist from a white person, or two, appearing to perpetuate the stereotype among black folks. I rarely receive this accusation now as an adult, but when I do, this question still works as comedic gold to see people back themselves into a corner <laughs> trying to justify their statement. Yeah. With this being said, I refuse to let a black person, and for damn sure not a white person, tell me what being black, quote unquote, means. Honestly, I think Biden has the but I have a black friend syndrome that has been allowed to go unchecked and given him the boldness to make this statement. Sorry for the long email, but this is a subject close to my heart, and I truly appreciate you, too, for your willingness to have this conversation. Stay safe and keep up the good work. Yes. Paris. This is... This is something that Joe Biden should know. It's not like he's never been around black folks before, or doesn't have a black friend, or doesn't have the understanding of the cultural nuances and the expectations of where he sits as a white guy. He fucking knows. He knows. And he wasn't in his, like, what did he say in his apology? I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. I don't think he was being a wise guy. I think he was saying plainly, He's using the old, oh, I was just cutting up and being informal. Uh, he's doing what Donald Trump does. Oh, I was being sarcastic. I was joking. I was whatever. I don't think he was. They watched that tape over and over and over. I think Paris is right that Joe Biden has, he's a little, a little bit too much, too familiar. There's a comfortability level there that isn't justified. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it would be helpful to open up a conversation, right, and have that conversation, and for him to be transparent about that, I wonder how that would go over right now. I I don't know if right now is the time for it, you know? Listen, if he's trying to set himself apart from Donald Trump, and he clearly is, what better way to set, him, set himself apart than to be honest and open and do a video where he's just one-on-one -on -one talking to the camera and, hey, listen... Not scripted, not some bullshit. It's like, you know, maybe maybe I was a little too familiar. Maybe I, um, that could be charged. And I am very sorry. And if he comes across as, as legitimate and real, but, you know, again, he doesn't have to apologize to me. So I, I don't know. Again, I'd toss it back at the audience. So we have another email here from Frank. 
Hey, guys, just wanted to comment on Joe Biden's statement. Was it the best response? Probably not. But the truth is the Democratic Party is trapped between a rock and a hard place. They are the only party that openly fights for minority groups. At the same time, the country does not have the political will to fix those very issues, forcing candidates to try to tap dance. For example, after World War II, when blacks were moving to cities for better paying jobs and housing, the federal government funded a huge suburban housing project excluding blacks. When civil rights laws were passed, the states with the highest percentage of blacks incorporated the Army of Northern Virginia battle flag into their state flags. When unions were forced to allow black membership, they became a political target and have never had the same economic or voter support they had prior. The truth is that if a candidate runs with a specific agenda to help blacks, they will lose. It's better to take the Lincoln approach. Don't talk about that particular issue too much. Instead, speak about helping the poor, working, and middle class more generally. Then once elected, he may be able to affect some change. We can't do that if Trump is reelected. So although the statement was as dupey and the candidate seems to be the truth, is he is the best we have at the moment. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with a lot of that. I do think that the Democratic Party gets a little bit too much credit for coming to the aid and, and standing in the gap for marginalized groups. It wasn't until 2012, everybody, 20 motherfucking 12, that Obama came out and voiced with his mouth hole that gays should be able to marry one another. So tell me again about this wonderful past. Just because they're better than Republicans doesn't mean they're good. So I, I don't know. I don't want to take the wind out of everybody's sails about Democrat, the Democratic Party every fucking day. But they do have a decent or better history and maybe even decent history. But it's certainly not something to climb to the mountaintop and scream about, about how great it is. I also, I I don't know about Frank's point about focusing on the poor and middle class more generally. I, I think when you see how successful some of the push has been for the poor people's campaign in recent months in getting different presidential candidates to platform the ideas. I mean, the, the whole point of the poor people's campaign is is not just poverty. I mean, poverty is a large part of it, but... It is also race issues. Yeah. And that's a prominent feature of the platform. And I mean, with what we're seeing going on in the news. Yeah. Right now, especially. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like this is something different when you have like David French writing articles about police brutality like against the police. I, have, I mean, I'm just, I'm seeing things that yeah. I haven't seen before. There are friends of mine from high school on Facebook, you pointed it out to me today, who said, listen, if you have more of a problem with a target being having the window smashed out of it, then a, 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 a black man being killed by police, murdered by the police in the street, then unfriend me. And it was remarkable because he's like a an evangelical conservative and... I think this might be one of those turning points. I can tell you this, when I saw that meme with two frames, one of the frames on the left was George Floyd with the cop's knee on his neck. And then the other frame is Colin Kaepernick. And above it, it says, this is why. And of course, we all know it in our minds, but when you see it in that form with, with the words and the pictures, it's impossible to escape that this is why. This is why people protest. 
because cops are murdering unarmed black men with impunity because they feel there's no chance I'm going to get convicted. And the reason they feel there's no chance I'm going to get convicted is because largely they don't fucking get convicted. Who blames a group of people for raising their voices and raising fucking hell when their neighbors, their brothers are being murdered unarmed by armed agents of the state in the middle of a fucking pandemic to make it worse. I don't know how we got here. Well, we have an email related to this. All right. Thank you, Frank, for the email. So this is from Lee. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I find your show very helpful and entertaining. I'm writing you after watching the recent videos of George Floyd and the lady calling the cops on a black bird watcher. I'm an African-American man, and since I was a kid, I've always had a fear of the cops. I remember when I had some cops walk up to me, and my first instinct was to run for my life. Luckily, I convinced myself not to, or it would have made me look guilty when I did nothing wrong. I write all this to say I'm just tired of never knowing if I'll get those bad cops. Tired of seeing people make excuses for the level of force used in these videos. Sick of someone's past misdeeds being used as a reason for said force. I'm just sad, angry, and tired of it all. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Love the show. Lee. Thank you, Lee. I think there is um, a lot to be tired of. A lot to be frustrated about. In fact, this is not the, uh, the only communication we got this episode about being tired. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. This is Jen from Long Beach. I'm calling in to talk about the rioting that's happening right now in Los Angeles. Um, a friend of mine, who's actually the photographer at my wedding, he is there right now taking photos of the protests and the signs and everything due to George Floyd being murdered on camera. Um, the reason I'm calling is mainly just to talk about the, just, the juxtaposition between people rioting because someone got killed by a police officer again and the people rioting because they don't want to stay indoors. Now, the people rioting because of someone's murder, there is looting, there's destruction of property, and the police are treating them terribly with tear gas and everything. And even though personally I don't believe in destruction of property, the way this country loves corporations, they will get their money back. They destroyed a Target. Okay, Target will Target has insurance and it will get their money back. Whereas the people who are protesting because they don't want to stay indoors, that's honestly also destruction because you're not wearing masks. You're spreading a virus that is causing this planet to go into a pandemic and the police are doing nothing. They're standing there, they're taking it. They're basically willfully accepting a virus into their bodies just so they can listen to people who don't want to sit inside and watch Netflix. Whereas someone is pissed off because once again, another person died who looks like them and they get hosed and tear gassed. There is one of the reason I haven't really even spoken about a lot of the things that's been going on right now because I, I just can't. I can't take it. I, for my mental well being, I literally have just been playing video games and watching cartoons and staying off of Facebook and trying to stay away from social media as much as possible. Hell, I haven't even listened to this podcast in a while because I don't, I can't hear it. 
I can't hear it. I'm going, I, I can't. I'm going to be so angry that I just, I'm tired. I am so, so tired. And no amount of screaming and talking and begging is changing any of this. So why keep trying? I'm tired. And that's the reason I called in, just to let you all know that I am tired. I'm sure most people also feel the same way as me. But, yeah. Thanks, guys. I think a lot of people are right there with you, Jen, for sure. And we appreciate you calling in and sharing that because it's good for people to know that other people are sharing and what they're feeling. Yeah. Now, I want to go into where this kind of kicked off this week, right? And we want to start with the Amy Cooper, Christopher Cooper, no relation, situation that happened in Central Park. Because people are drawing a direct connection from instances like the Amy Cooper phone call to 911 saying that a African-American man is threatening her life Ugh. to what happened to George Floyd in Minnesota. Because when you call the police and you say an African-American man is threatening your life, the cops are coming in there and yeah. they're prepared to do some damage. So... The discussion around what Amy Cooper did and what she knew she was doing when she said this, because she wasn't being attacked. She wasn't being threatened. And it was on tape. She was watching herself be filmed and still went through the fucking theatrics. Right. And and so... That's brazen. And so what happened was she had her dog, right, off leash in an area where he was supposed to be on leash. Christopher Cooper saw this, and this is a typical scene for him, right? He sees people not following the rules, and he is a birder. He watches birds. That is one of his hobbies. So he's in the park watching the birds, and it's important for you to have the dog on the leash because they can disrupt the climate, right? Interfere with the birds. Yeah, yeah. And so he asks her to please put her dog on a leash. She doesn't like someone trying to tell her what to do particularly, it seems, a black man. And I think we're going to play for you what transpires. Would you please stop? Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. Excuse me? I'm sorry, I'm in the ramble, and there is a man, African American, who has a bicycle helmet. He is recording me and threatening me and my dog. There is an African American man, I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. <laughs> and my I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. I'm in Central Park in the ramble. I don't know. 
Thank you. The thank you there at the end was when she finally put the fucking dog on the leash. Right. After she was choking the fuck out of it. Which is all she had to do. That's all that that's all that he wanted her to do. That is all that she needed to do. None of this needed to happen. Just put the dog on the leash. That's it. Which wasn't his rule. It's not like he made a rule. Hey, I don't like dogs that are off leash. It's the <laughs> fucking rule for everybody. Right. That he's just like, hey, man, this is the rule. Right. Put your dog on the leash. Right. And she freaked out. What I want to draw attention to is her calm demeanor and then her exaggerated acting, the frantic nature with which she spoke to elicit panic. Send the cops. Hurry. He's trying to kill me. That's what she's communicating. Here's the calm or calm-ish Amy Cooper. And there's a man, African-American, who has a bicycle helmet. He is recording me and threatening me and my dog. Huh. There's a there's a man, African American, he's he's recording me and he's threatening me and my dog. She doesn't get the exact the exact response that she wants, apparently, from the dispatcher, so she goes into Karen mode. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. There's ten fucking seconds between those. And also he's nowhere near her, has not come near her, is she standing char- away for her. She charged him, in fact. Right, in the as beginning a, as, of the encounter. As a point of juxtaposition. Right. She tried to grab his phone initially. It looked like that she was going for his phone. But I mean, the reason people are drawing this connection is because she weaponized the police. Right? Or that's what she was wanting to do against him. That's right. Because what else are what else do you think is gonna happen? I mean, this woman, and people were speculating that she is a uh, Trump supporter. Yeah, that, nope. She donated to Barack Obama, John Kerry, and Pete Buttigieg. She's yeah. a, she's a liberal. Yeah, she's a Democrat. Okay, uh, and that's important for people on the left to think about, right? Because people on the left think racism is for Trump supporters. That's not for me. Yeah. Right. And that can blind you to the ways in which that you do have bias, that you do have prejudice. That there may be dark parts of you that you're not thinking about or not addressing, right? And they may be not explicit, right? They may be under the surface. Yeah. You think, you know, you're Amy Cooper, you're donating to Barack Obama, John Kerry, Pete Buttigieg, you support liberal causes, but then you're confronted in the park. Right. And how quick are you to weaponize the police against a black man because of your apparently implicit racist views explicit racist views in this case well she i'm sure in her mind five minutes before this could have easily been thinking i'm one of the good ones right i'm one of the good white liberals right well and this is why um ibram x kendi the author of stamped from the beginning and how to be an anti-racist talks about how there's no such thing as not racist yeah right that not racist is like an attempt at a neutral position that doesn't exist. And you're either racist and you're like supporting racist policies, you're upholding that system, or you're anti-racist. You're actively participating in trying to address your own racist beliefs and you're trying to work to dismantle a racist system. Like those are the two options, right? And so you never really even have to say like, I'm not a racist, right? If you're an anti-racist, you're you're working all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. to keep your shit in check, right? In a way that the Amy Coopers of the world are not, right? So I think it's important just a little a little check for everybody. Not a Trump supporter, not a Republican, 
someone who thought she was one of the good ones, like you just said, Jesse, yeah. I love that, that, that phrasing. Um, this is just so horrifying. Luckily, neither of them were at the park when the cops got there, because what might have happened had he been at the park? Yeah, I mean, we could have had another George Floyd situation very easily. NYP, in the NYPD, they're not shrinking violets. Right. You know? Right. So um, we'll wrap this particular segment up because it's going to lead right into what's going on in Minneapolis right now. But Christopher Cooper was on with Don Lemon shortly after this happened on Memorial Day. Amy Cooper has apologized, but was fired from her job. Joining me now is Christian Cooper. Uh, we contacted Amy Cooper, by the way, uh, last night, and she was invited on this show. She's invited to sh- on this show at any time. This is a statement to uh, CNN. Amy Cooper said, I think I was just scared. Uh, she wanted to publicly apologize to everyone. I'm not a racist. I did not mean uh, to harm that man in any way. She also didn't mean any harm uh, to the African-American community. Do you accept her apology? I think her, her apology is sincere. I'm not sure if in that apology she, she recognizes that while she may not be or consider herself a racist, that particular act was definitely racist. Um, and the fact that that was her recourse at that moment, granted it was a stressful situation, a sudden situation, um, you know, maybe a moment of spectacularly poor judgment, but she went there um, and had this racist act that she that she did so she, she yeah, understood the that, power she wielded at that moment to call police as a white woman on a black man as a scary black man i'm going to call the police and say an african-american man is she understood that part of it she had the wherewithal to understand that exactly i uh, her her she she was looking for some way to get uh, an edge in the situation and that's where she went and that ultimately did not help her um, so, you know, is she a racist? I can't answer that. Only she can answer that. And I would submit probably, um, the only way she's going to answer that is going forward with, you know, how she conducts herself and, and, you know, how she chooses to, to reflect on the situation and examine it. I like the questions posed by Don Lemon because, well, and I like Christopher Cooper's responses, right? He's saying, I, listen, I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you what her actual like beliefs are. Yeah, well, I, can't, I can't tell you what she thinks in her head. Not a mind reader. All I see is what happened and it was racist. Right. And that's where she went. And I love how he said to get an edge on the situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It's a perfect descriptor. Which is horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying that that's where she went. Right. And because she, that's a power she has that he doesn't have. Right. And she lost her job. She surrendered her dog. And Christopher Cooper has said that he doesn't think her life should be torn apart because of this. He said it's troubling to him or something like that. And you indicated this the other day that what that does is it gives people like an excuse or license to focus in on that and say, yeah, well, she shouldn't have been fired because even he is troubled by that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And listen, her employer obviously had a fucking problem with someone who would act like that working for them. Or at least had a problem with the optics of someone. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they let her go. I'm always amazed. I'm fucking amazed. New York City is a gigantic city. And within hours, mm-hmm. they knew who the fuck she was, where the fuck she worked, where she adopted her goddamn dog. 
It, I mean, holy fucking shit, man. That's Twitter for you. No kidding. Mm-hmm. She's just a, an anonymous stranger in a city of nine million people. Right. And within hours, they know everything about her. Someone was probably like, nah, she's done that to me before. It makes me want to keep my shit in check, man. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a nobody who a few people know. Holy shit. Yeah, well, and I, I, I think that hopefully this is a, a teaching moment for her. You know, a lot of people have been, whenever things like this pop up on the internet, the go-to is John Ronson because he wrote the book. So you've been publicly shamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a great book. I recommend that everybody read it. It's fantastic. But I think some people obscure Aren't some they, of his points. Did, didn't they run to him to Twitter on Twitter about this particular thing? Yeah, to defend her because yeah. her life is being torn apart, as people characterize it. Which, yeah, I mean, you lose your job. She everyone, tore her life apart. Everyone hates you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a terrible situation to be in. Would not want to be in that situation. But then well, again, you know, don't weaponize the police against black yeah, people. Imagine and, everyone finding out you're racist. That yeah. would uh, that would be a bummer. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but they go to John Ronson and they're saying, okay, you're the expert on public shaming and isn't this terrible what's happening to Amy Cooper? And he and he's like, listen, this situation is very different than the situations I describe in my book. Right. And the situations that he does describe in his book, people may take issue with. Right. Yeah, yeah, One yeah. of which is the Justine Sacco tweet. Right. Where she tweeted something like taking off to Africa about how she's on her way to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Oh, just kidding. I'm white. Right. And so she was making a joke about... Like gallows humor. Like her white privilege and whatever. She wasn't like championing it. She was saying a joke about how, you know, uh, AIDS disproportionately affects black people in Africa. White people don't really have a problem with it. It wasn't a fuck you, I'm white, fuck off. It was a, a dark humor. Right. So she tweeted a joke, woke up the next morning on the plane or whatever happened hours later. And the same thing happened to her. That's happening to Amy Cooper. Everyone knows her name. Everyone thinks she's racist. She's lost her job. Yeah. Everything's terrible. And John Ronson was saying like weaponizing the police against a black person, like putting someone's life in danger where they could have been murdered is very different than tweeting a joke. That's in very poor taste and not fully thought through. Yeah. And also putting someone's life in danger intentionally. So, is different than unintentionally so. Right. And so you're having to weigh these apparently very complicated issues of intent (laughs) and (laughs) uh, people get very confused on the internet, possibly because of their own fears of things that they have said and done in public and fears that they could be Amy Cooper on a cell phone video and they want that defense. But that's not... That's not how that works from John yeah. Ronson. Anyway, uh, w- w- I'm going to bump it, but we were going to talk about this guy named Tom Austin in Minneapolis, the same place that this George Floyd murder took place. And uh, his name is Tom Austin. And he confronted these these uh, these young black men. I think the, the news has been describing them as young uh, black entrepreneurs who also had a lease in the building in the WeWork. And he wants to know, where where are you? You're in the gym. What officer are you here? What what business do you work? He wants to know Taking all the photos details of them. Yeah, and they're 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 videoing him right back. Right, and then this guy lost his lease. 
Right, because he's he accosting. Calls. He's accosting people who have a right to be there, who have no obligation to tell him who they are. Because he called the building manager in the gym to determine if they were actually tenants in the building. Right. I mean, who are these people, for the love of God, that are stopping people and saying, what are you doing here? Right. Questioning their right to exist in his space. It's just... Ugh. Yeah. I just... It's... It, Thankfully, there are videos because no one would believe this shit. And finally, the walls are coming down, right? Yeah. Finally, like I talked about, David French, you have people who are finally seeing the light. Like you talked about your high school friend, right? People who are like, okay, I know it took me a little bit, <laughs> right? Yeah. Took me a little while to come around, but I'm starting to see the light. Which leads us to what happened in Minneapolis just a few days ago. Right. With this George Floyd thing. Right. Which is, full disclosure, I still have not watched the most gory elements of the video. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. It really, like Jen, being so tired. I'm tired. I can't imagine being a member of that population. And watching this go on over and over and over and over and over and it never getting better. Us never making any progress. So I understand the impulse to say, why do, why even keep trying? I'm so tired. And, and I would say this hopefully as an element of encouragement to Jen, to you, Jen, and those of you, the others out there who may feel like Jen, that thankfully... During the civil rights era, when people, when the busing was going on and the Selma march was happening and people's heads were getting split open by pipes and being murdered and left in the forest, at least they didn't get tired. And it's not an indictment of getting tired or saying, why keep trying? But you have to stay the course. Otherwise, progress fails. Otherwise, these racist, Asshole cops, these murderous, jackbooted thugs, then they win. They remain in power. You have to trudge on. So the other day in Minneapolis, the, this cop, this fucking Derek Chauvin guy. Well, there were also three additional cops. So uh, it initially started um, on the side of a street in front of a restaurant. And luckily, the restaurant owner released their footage before giving it to the FBI. They Unabridged called, footage. Right. Before they called the FBI to give them the footage, they called the media and released it to the media, which was a fantastic move. Uh, so we got the full picture of what happened prior to walking George Floyd over to the location where he was murdered. So it started with taking George Floyd out of the car. He had two other people in the car with him. They were separated from him. Uh, George Floyd was taken out of the vehicle that he was in and he was suspected of like writing a bad check or passing counterfeit currency, something like that. And they take him out of the car. He he doesn't look like he's doing well. It doesn't look like he's fighting back, but it looks like he's distraught or... Well, he's already handcuffed. So it could be like a strain on his arms. He's a big guy. 
Right. Could be strain Could on be his pain, arms. Right. Because both of his hands are handcuffed behind his back. Right. It looks like he's not in a good situation. Grimacing. Right. Grimacing. So they take him over. They put him on the sidewalk. They sit him down. And one of the cops stays with him the whole time. And the other cop is talking to the two people that were in his vehicle. That goes on for like five minutes. Then they pick George Floyd up. They help him get to his feet. They walk him through a crosswalk in an intersection, and then they walk him to the location where he is then put on the ground with the cop then putting his knee onto George Floyd's neck. And Full this is, body weight. This is, of course, the video that everyone has seen, at least the still photo of the, the knee on the neck. And what happens here is this cop keeps his knee on his neck for nine minutes. Ugh. So think of that. Nine minutes. And during this period, just like with Eric Garner, George Floyd is saying repeatedly that he can't breathe, that something is wrong, that his stomach hurts, that he's in pain, that he can't breathe, that he needs a drink of water. And... You know, during this period, there are people watching and filming and they're saying, you're killing this man. Yeah. He can't breathe. At, at some point, he goes unconscious and he continues, this cop, to have his knee in his neck. And then they take his limp body and they carry it off because he's unconscious at this point. They they killed this man. Yeah. This cop left his knee in George Floyd's in, in George Floyd's neck until he was dead and cops watched it happen yeah. and they did nothing to a handcuffed unarmed George Floyd and again you know this this has happened repeatedly we we talk about it on this show it's all over the news people being shot in the back People being uh, killed when they're unarmed, when they're no threat. Cops storming into the wrong fucking house and opening fire on people playing goddamn video games. And listen, not that this is surprising to anybody, but this cop, right? The knee in the neck cop, the murderer cop. Uh, Derek Chauvin. He had 18 prior complaints. 18? Filed against him with the Minneapolis Police Department. Isn't this the same guy that uh, Amy Klobuchar refused to prosecute when uh, charges came up against him? Oh, Amy Klobuchar is no longer in the running for vice president because of all of this. Is that out. confirmed or that's just a guess? But there's no way that Amy Klobuchar is going to be selected given what's coming out right now. Oh, good. I mean... And you're you're referring to reporting from The Guardian, which laid out the case that before she became senator, um, before she ran for president, that she spent eight years as uh, a, is it Hennepin? Hennepin County. Hennepin County attorney in charge of prosecution for Minneapolis. And while she was in that position, mm -hmm. she declined to prosecute, prosecute multiple police officers cited for excessive force. And did not prosecute the specific officer that we're talking about here. Had she prosecuted him, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, would we? Would we, Amy Klobuchar fans? I mean, I'm going to point a bunch of fingers. But come on. 
Well, you're and you're still seeing people argue like the polling is showing that Elizabeth Warren is going to be the most beneficial in helping elect Joe Biden. And you're still having people say, no, he needs to be smart and strategic and win over the Midwest by picking Amy Klobuchar. OK, win win over the Midwest by picking someone who's just a carbon cock, a female version of him. Yeah, but anyway, so she, this is this has ruined it, right? And rightfully so, right? It comes yeah, out good. that it comes out that you were in a position of power to do something about charges of excessive force against police officers, and you didn't act in particular with a cop who, in his nineteen years, had eighteen complaints. Yeah. You stood for the powerful, not for the powerless. Good job, Amy Klobuchar. Good fucking job. So anyway, um, well, and we want to say the cops were fired, right? But they are still being paid, and so the 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 push here really is for not just firing, right? But for charges. Tonight, the outrage in Minneapolis is mounting, even after four officers were fired. Was it enough for you that the officers were fired? That is not enough. That is not enough. He was a murderer. Crowds of protesters clash with police overnight, their fury fueled by that viral video showing the final moments of George Floyd's life. He begged for help, repeating, I can't breathe, at least a dozen times while a Minneapolis officer pinned him to the ground, pushing his knee into Floyd's neck. I would like for those officers to be charged with murder because that's exactly what they did. They murdered Today, the Minneapolis mayor asked the prosecutor directly. I'm calling on him to charge the arresting officer in this case. Initially, police said Floyd had physically resisted officers after they responded to a reported forgery in progress. This new cell phone video appears to show the moment Floyd steps out of the vehicle. Two officers restrain him. Then, this security footage from a nearby business obtained by NBC News shows officers walking him across the street in handcuffs. Minutes later, this other surveillance video shows the group of bystanders pleading for officers to let him breathe. Why is it that people of color, especially black men, even when there's an allegation of a nonviolent crime, are met so violently by police officers in America? The 46-year-old Floyd played basketball in college and lived most of his life in Texas, working as a truck driver and security guard. If you got a chance to know him, you would have loved him. LeBron James posted this image on social media of the officer kneeling on Floyd with former quarterback Colin Kaepernick kneeling in protest of police brutality. Lawyers for three of the officers and the police union declined to comment today. The other officer's attorney has not responded. This man owns the convenience store Floyd had just left before the encounter. One of his employees says Floyd used a fake $20 bill. He was always a pleasant individual, and he may have not even known that the bill was counterfeit. And the abuse of power and the police brutality needs to stop. Right now, hundreds of protesters have gathered outside of this police precinct. Officers in riot gear have set up barricades. Authorities hope that these protests remain peaceful. Of course authorities hope that. I think the, 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 the bulk of America would hope that. Put yourself in the position of the people in that neighborhood who may have known him, who have watched the tape, watched multiple cops stand there doing fucking nothing as their brother in blue murders 
a not yet found guilty man who may or may not have passed a $20 bill. Not a capital crime. No judge, no jury, only executioner. And the four or five cops stand the fuck around and do nothing. And then they take refuge in their police precinct. Jack booted thugs, armed agents of the state. Well, and it's just, it's the same, it's the same hypocrisy arguments being trotted out as there, it always is, right? Yeah. You have white people who have, don't tread on me tattoos, don't tread on me license plate frames, don't tread on me flags outside of their house, don't tread on me, whatever, right? Just all the don't tread on me. It's a cottage industry now, the fucking don't tread on me bullshit. So you have those people who are like, oh. Should have followed directions. Yeah, right. Shouldn't have resisted. The same idiots who are like, don't tread on me. My haircut needs cut. It needs cut, y'all. Right. It's, oh, Ugh. oh. And and so you love Eamon Bundy, right? And does he listen to the government? Exactly. Does he follow the government's rules and That's regulations? Right. Well, he's white. He loves the government to follow the government's rules, right? Yeah. It's just, come on. Come on. Enough. It's, it's over. We see the argument for what it is. You're upholding the system. Right. Even these criticisms for the riots. Right. Everyone's silent about the video. Silence. Crickets. No outrage about that. Outrage that a soda machine got knocked over. Shut the fuck up. I mean, listen, you can have you can have some thoughts about the riots and how the the community being on fire isn't great. and, And you can have those ideas. But if you didn't say anything about the video. And yeah. you don't come out and talk about police yeah. killing unarmed citizens and using uh, excessive force that results in people dying in the streets when they, for nine minutes, are saying, I can't breathe, I need help, right? You, you forfeited your right to talk about the fucking target with broken windows or the auto zone that's on fire. Yeah, I don't care about your views about the riots because yeah. you aren't in this, right? You're not active in trying to figure out a solution to this problem or standing in solidarity with the people that are most vulnerable here to being the next person that is killed. So I don't care about what you have to say about the riots. Also, we shared an awesome tweet to the page today because, of course, Tommy Laren is talking uh. about what good is it to, you know, do the rioting and whatever. And it's like, well, you didn't like it when people peacefully kneeled either. So yeah. what does it matter what you think? That yeah, was the yeah. tweet. That's not my own original thought. That's the tweet on the page. That's for sure. She has also forfeited her right to fucking speak. Sit the fuck down. Alt-right Barbie. Shut the fuck up. Well, and all of those points just illustrate that it's not a serious conversation about how to protest these issues. It's about maintaining order and control. Yeah. So I don't care what you think, because you're not interested in addressing the serious systemic problem that we have with racism in this well, country. She, she, just so the audience... I mean, not fucking, just her, anyone like her. They're on the same page here. She also compared Black Lives Matter to KKK. They're the new KKK. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, I'm going to go. <laughs> There's other things that we were going to talk about, but I'm... Uh, Spent, as they say. We're not going to do a mid-roll. We'll talk about all our new Patreon supporters next episode. Stick around for that. Join us then. You'll be sticking around for a while because it'll be hours hours later. 
We love you guys. We'd love to hear from you about these and any topic that's on your radar. 657-464-7609. Again, 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We sure do love you guys. We sure do appreciate you. We, 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 we very much cherish the community that has grown up around this show and the many conversations we've had and hopefully moved forward in one manner or another. So we will see you next time. We love you. We appreciate you. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.